church family, you're finding the book of John. John chapter 13, we'll begin to read in verse number 1 this morning. And for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject. Examples to repeat from the washing of dirty feet. Examples to repeat from the washing of dirty feet. John chapter 13, we'll begin to read in verse 1. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can, and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word, where the Bible says in John chapter 13, beginning to read in verse number 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but, I, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered and said, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to also wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. God, we ask your spirit would speak to every heart in life today. God, I pray that those who've never been saved through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit today will recognize their sin, see Christ's righteousness, their need for it, and the devil's hell that awaits them if they don't turn and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. God, I pray you'll speak to your church today concerning service, concerning sanctification. And God, we'll be leaving this place again today so thankful again as we're reminded that we would have nothing, we would be nowhere spiritually if it weren't for your saving grace. God, I pray that your will would be done in every heart and life. Simply we ask this. Be blessed and honored and glorified through the preaching of your word and our obedience to what you call us to do now. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. Examples to repeat from the washing of dirty feet. There are examples in this text that I want to repeat and share with you uh, this morning. This is a scene from the Last Supper. The Bible says in verse number 2, after supper being ended. This was the Last Supper they were spending Together, It was also a picture of his body that was broken, his blood that was shed. It's something our church family have the opportunity to do tonight at the conclusion of our services. We observe 
the Lord's Supper together uh, tonight. But Jesus begins to do something that he had never done with his disciples before, and that was to, to wash their feet. Look at verse number 15 again. He says, I've given you an example. Uh, there's four wonderful illustrative truths about our Lord to repeat to you today from God's Word, and I want you to see these. Number one, I want you to notice first, the sight he displays. The sight that he displays. Look at verse number one of our text again. It says, Now therefore, when the feast of the Passover, uh, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, he, he knew this. Look at verse number three. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going to God. Look again at verse number 11. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. Jesus knows everything. He possesses a sight that is all-seeing and all-knowing. There's nothing that surprises our Lord. He had spoken in John chapter 6 and verse number 64. says, but there are some of you who do not believe. And John recorded, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. He wasn't surprised by anything. He was God in human flesh. There's nothing that ever occurs to God. God is never taken off guard or called off guard by anything. Psalm 139 verses 1 through 4 says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Listen to verse 2. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Our God is all-knowing. Psalm 147 and verse number 5, uh, the Bible says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The author of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, and verse number 13 records this about our all-knowing, all-seeing God. Verse 13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Friend, God knows all things. He sees all things. There's nothing that ever catches him off guard. Nothing surprises him. Nothing is hidden from him. And you need to understand this morning, who you are spiritually, God knows. You know, a lot of people grow up in a culture here in the South, you know, that we, we come to church and it's easy, we can just fake it. You know, you can put on your religious mask and you can come to church and you can act saved and you really aren't, it's possible. You know the right words to say. Uh, you know, I call it churchianity, not Christianity. You know how to act within the life of the church. But friend, you need to understand something this morning. God sees exactly who you are spiritually. If you're lost, God knows you're lost. If you're saved, God knows you're saved. If you're saved but you're out of fellowship with God, you're backslid, you have secret, unrepentant sin in your life, God sees it and God knows it. But it's also a comfort to know, friend, that there's nothing that comes into our lives that God is surprised by. He knows those things. Think about this. Jesus was never burdened by the unknown. You know, sometimes we sit and we wonder about what's going to happen in the future. Well, some of you who are retired, and you've got a right to do this, you know, to be concerned. What's going to happen with my 401k? Am I, am I going to have enough money to make it? Now, I'd planned on living off this kind, but now things are twice as expensive as they were. Am I going to have enough money to even make it? 
Jesus never worried about the unknown because he knew all things. And what a comfort, friend, it is to know in the day in which we're living that there's, there's nothing that surprises our God. We have a Savior who is leading us and guiding us into everything, friend. He is always seen and he is always known. The sight that he displays. Number two, I want you to notice this morning, the salvation that he delivers. There's the sight that he displays. He knows all things. But secondly, I want you to see the salvation that he delivers. Look what the Bible says in verse number four of our text. Jesus rose from supper. So supper is ended. So he stands up. He laid aside his garments, that is, just his, his outer robing. And he took a towel and he girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And so he's doing that. He, he humbles himself, and he literally begins to go from disciple to disciple and, and to wash their dirty feet. And we'll, we'll discuss that a little more about how they, how they got that way. But then, then he comes to, to Peter. And Peter suffered, you know, from a disease that a lot of people do, foot and mouth disease. He was always sticking his big, dirty foot right in his mouth. Whatever came, his printer was always on. Whatever he printed on the keyboard of his brain, it just came out of his mouth. He didn't stop and think, you know, about how's this going to sound or what's, what is the impact of my words. And so the Bible says in verse 6, look at it in your text. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are, are you going gonna to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, said, what, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will after this. What he's telling me is, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you the point. It's going to come. There's, there's two lessons that Jesus is going to teach out of washing the feet. One of salvation and one of service. And we'll get to service in a minute. But the first lesson is that of salvation. In verse number 8, look at the, your text. He says, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Well, why did Peter need washing? Notice that Jesus didn't say, if I do not wash your feet. He said, if I do not wash you. Well, why would Peter need washing spiritually? Jesus wasn't talking about physical now. He was talking about spiritual. Listen why. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 2 says, Your sin has separated you from God. The filth of sin separates all mankind from God. We're born filthy. We're born with a sin nature. Every person grows to an age of accountability at some point in their life that they become mindful of their sin, and at that point, they become accountable unto God. It doesn't matter how much church they have, how good they are, how many times they've been baptized, how many times they've repeated a prayer that they really don't believe in their heart. None of those things can make them right with God. The only thing that can take away the filth of sin, Isaiah 59, 2, that separates man from God is a spiritual washing that only Jesus can give. And that's what he begins to share. He says, Peter, he says, if, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. It means you, you can't have fellowship with me because you're separated from me by sin if you haven't been washed. And so he's trying to talk to him about the salvation that he delivers. And so Peter responds, verse number 9, and Peter says, Well, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my, my head. He says, man, just dump it on top of me. 
Peter wanted to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. He didn't want that relationship to be severed. But he was thinking physical, not spiritual. He didn't see the full lesson in the implication of what it was that Jesus was doing. He says, just wash all of me and listen to what Jesus begins to share. Jesus said to him in verse number 10, he who is bathed needs only wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are, all, you are clean, Peter, but not all of you. And so he begins to share something historically and culturally then that made a lot of sense to them, but it doesn't to us as much. And so I want to share with you. There were bathhouses in those days. They didn't all have showers and, you know, in a, a running bathtub. They had bathhouses in, in the community. And so someone would go from their home to this bathhouse and they would bathe their body. They would bathe their whole body. But then they would go back to the house. And as they began to go back to that house, they would get dirty. Their whole body wouldn't get dirty, but their feet would get dirty. And so Jesus was sharing with him, Peter, you're, you're clean. He's telling Peter, you've been saved. Peter, you've been washed spiritually. Peter had trusted him. We looked last week, the, the second command of Christ, the first command of Christ was to repent and believe. We've been doing a series of lessons on Sunday nights about commands of Christ that are fundamental in the life of a disciple, a learner and a follower of Jesus Christ. And last week we looked at Mark chapter 1 and verse number 17 where the command of Christ was to come and to follow me. And we pulled in a parallel text where the Bible says that Peter and those that are with him, they forsook all, they turned from their life, and they began to follow Jesus Christ. And so they placed their faith in Jesus. And so Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, you're spiritually, you've been washed. It's possible that you can be dirty. And we're going to look at that in the next point. He says, but you've been washed, but not all of you. Well, who hadn't? Jesus hadn't. I mean, Judas hadn't. We know in John chapter 6 and verse 64, he'd said Jesus knew exactly from the beginning who would and who would not. He knew who really was a disciple and who wasn't. And he was saying to those that had never been saved, they needed to be washed. He was talking about Judas. Look at, look at our text in verse number 11. He knew who would betray him. And a lot of people have asked before, well, what happened to Judas? Did he lose his salvation? Friend, you can't lose what you never had. I've never made this statement to anybody before. I need some help. I've lost a million dollars. You know why I can't say that? I never had a million dollars to lose. You can't lose what you never had. And so Judas didn't lose salvation, friends. He had never placed his faith wholly in Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible says in verse number 27, look forward in our text in John 13, after the piece of bread, that is that Jesus gave a piece of bread to the one who he knew would betray him, Satan entered him. Well, friend, listen. Satan can't go where Jesus already lives. They can't dwell together. So who had been living in Judas's heart? He had. Friend, I want you to listen to me. In life, you're going to follow one of two people. You're going to follow God or you're going to follow the devil. And you say, oh, no. The devil's not running my life. I run my life. No, you don't. Who do you think told you to believe that? The devil did. Friend, you're not in control of your life. He is. If Christ is not Lord of your life, Satan is. You've got a choice, friend. Who's going to be Lord of your life? If you continue to follow the devil, hell's where you'll, you'll go home with him for all eternity. 
And the only way you can go to heaven is to turn from sin, be washed of your sin, and trust Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. Because that's a washing, that's salvation that only Jesus Christ can give you. He says you, you, need, to be, you need to be washed. So we need an initial once and forever cleansing that only Jesus Christ can give. Listen to me. When you repent of your sin, convicted by the Holy Spirit that you're the sinner, because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned. We're all born sinners. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of that and you realize that, and someone, because they love you and are concerned with you, shares the good news of the gospel, that God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son on the cross to die. Why? In your place. And whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. When you realize spiritually that you were dirty and you needed the cleaning that only Jesus Christ can give, and you choose to repent of your sin, that is to turn from it, to seek God's forgiveness, and as you turn, by faith, trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. Listen, the Bible teaches that the blood that he shed on Calvary, it washes you white as snow. It cleanses you of your sin. That cleansing is provided through the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul wrote in Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5. Not by works of righteousness. He's writing uh, to, the, to the church that they sent Titus to in Crete, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, listen, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's a washing that only Jesus can give. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5, this same John that we're reading through, sees the revelation of Jesus Christ. Says, verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, listen, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Friend, there's a washing that you've got to have that I'm telling you, even life soap can't clean up, and it's your sin. It's your sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse the stain of sin from your soul. And it's a washing that every person must choose. You hear me this morning. What you do with Jesus Christ determines where you spend eternity. It's not a matter of how many churches you've gone to, how good you've been in life. It's alone and by, friend, the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from our sin. It's a choice that you've got to willingly make to turn Humble yourself and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. And when you do that, the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What's that mean? They'll be cleansed from all their sin. It's a washing that only Jesus can provide. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you been washed? Have you been washed? I'm not asking if you ever had religion. Do you have a relationship with God that was established because you chose to turn from your sin and in so doing you trusted Christ to be Lord of your life and you were washed from head to toe spiritually by the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you ever been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Third notice this morning, not only the salvation He delivers, but the sanctification He demands. Now, a lot of people today will teach, a lot of places, the sanctification that He you know, he, he deserves. Well, he deserves it, friend, but not only that, you need to hear me this morning, church family. He demands it. He demands that our lives be set apart exclusively for his 
divine use. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are all clean, but not all of you. That is, if you've, if you've been cleansed, all you need to do is wash your feet. Now, we're, we're back to the physical illustration. They understood this. They went to the bathhouse. They would get clean, but they wore sandals. They didn't have socks and boots and shoes like we did. And so walking back to their house, either barefooted or in sandals, their wet feet would collect dust upon them. And so from the ankle up, they were clean. But from the ankle down, they were completely dirty. Um, I went to a school in uh, Hawaii one time, an aerosol school. And we stayed out in a little place called Area X-Ray. And there were these little concrete platforms. We had some tents that we were able to stay in in, in the night while we were there. But there was a, there was a bathhouse in the middle of this little area. And you had to, to go out to the bathhouse to, to get a shower of the evening. But then you walk back to your bunk, uh, to where your gear was in flip-flops, man, your feet were nasty when you got back there. And so you had to take a, a wet towel and wipe your feet off before you put your socks and boots back on and then shake your towel out. All of me was clean, but my feet were dirty from walking back. And that's what Jesus is teaching. He said, if you've been bathed completely, your feet are going to get dirty when you go home. There's a spiritual truth that he's trying to teach. Think about the person that went to that bathhouse. They begin to make their way back home. All of them has been complete. And it could be, you know, that they got dirty on purpose, not just we're going to look at the incidental. Think of the foolishness of this. They've gone to the bathhouse. They're clean. Stay with me. They're walking back home. And let's say they see a mud puddle there. And they say, you know what? I'm just going to jump in that mud puddle. I've just had a bath. I'm clean. Now I'm going to jump in that mud puddle. Maybe even worse. Maybe they see a big pile of donkey manure. They say, you know what? I'm clean. I'm just going to go jump in the middle of that pile of donkey manure and just get it all up in my toes before I, I get back home. You say, well, See, Chad, that's, that's crazy. That's insanity. You listen to me this morning. Listen. It's just as insane that a person who's been washed in the blood of Jesus would dump, jump feet first into a pile of sin's manure that's going to make you dirty in the sight of Jesus Christ. See, spiritually, we don't think that way. I'd never jump into a pile of donkey manure or a mud hole after I've had a bath. But I've been washed clean the blood of Jesus Christ. But now it's just a little sin. It's just a little uncommitment. But friend, in the eyes of God, it's just as bad as junk, jumping in a pile of donkey manure. See, the problem is when you start seeing sin the way God sees sin, that nailed his son to a cross, you won't end up in the mud holes that so many easily end up into. If you understand that this morning, say amen. amen. You've got to see sin the way God sees it. See, the world's tried to make it upside down. That sin's good, sin's... Sin is good for us. It's not. That's the lie that the devil gave to Eve. And that's the reason they were spiritually we're in the shape that we're in by one man sin entered the world and death through sin. So it could be on purpose that one got clean. But Jesus is also teaching above that that there's incidental uncleanness. Not that somebody just incidentally sins, but just walking through the world day in and day out. Disciples, stay with me. Just walking, serving Christ each day, you hear the world speak. Their language gets in your ears. 
You see unrighteousness. You see how people act. You see how people treat each other. If you're not careful, all that begins to get on you. The devil wants it to stick as you walk through so that that will become a part of your habit, a part of your speech, a part of your lifestyle. As you see people who are, you know, they're sold out to Jesus Christ, they're decide, but they serve when they want to. They, they, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a life of commitment. It's a life of convenience they have with Jesus Christ. You can begin to absorb it. See, all that filth gets on your feet. You're clean spiritually. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. But walking through this life, you become less sanctified. What is sanctification? Listen to me. Sanctification is a process of where God sets us apart for His exclusive use. Friend, when you submitted your life to Jesus Christ, you gave all of you to Him. Now listen to me. If you didn't give all of him, all of you to him, you've never been saved. You've never been saved. So I, you know, I don't want to go to hell. And I gave 90% of me to Jesus Christ. Then hell's where you're going to go. Christ will accept nothing but all of you or none of you. It's that simple. That's the process of discipleship. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. If Jesus is Lord, he's Lord of over all of you. And so that process of sanctification is your life doesn't belong to you. Your family doesn't belong to you. Your house doesn't belong to you. Your finance doesn't belong to you. This church doesn't belong to us. It all belongs to Jesus Christ. It's all for him to use however he wants to. And so my schedule, my life, Everything, friend, is guided and grounded and led by him. Because I'm set apart for his exclusive use. But listen, when I get sin on my feet, when, when the dirt of the world gets on me, I've got to go to the word of God and get clean. We, we see this illustrated in Exodus chapter 40 and Exodus chapter 30. Exodus 40, listen to what the Bible says as Moses has now set up the tabernacle. Listen to verse 30. This is about Aaron and his sons, listen, who every day were serving God by offering sacrifices on behalf of the people. They were ministering on the behalf of God. The Bible says he set the labor between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water there for washing. And Moses, Aaron, and his sons would wash their hands and their feet with the water from it. Well, why, why, did, they, why did they do that? Whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting and when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. When Exodus 30, God had made a command. You see, as they served God, just walking back and forth in the tabernacle, didn't have a floor, their feet got dirty. Their hands got dirty from... The sacrifices, skinning all those animals, all the things they were touching, they got dirty. And they had to be clean ceremonially in order to serve God. Friend, listen to me. You've got to be clean to be used by God. When you as a child of God, listen, have unconfessed sin in your life from just blowing it by saying, yeah, devil, you know, that's really not a mud hole. That's, that's going to be a blessing to my life. And you just jump right in the mud hole. Or just walking through the world day in and day out, you, you begin to get tendencies and thoughts and habits that are out of the character of God in Christ. Psalm 66 verse 18 says this, If I regard iniquity in my heart, that is, if I allow unconfessed sin to build up in my life, I get dirty feet. 
The Bible says God won't hear my prayers. That means every day, friend, I've got to get clean. That's why Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 and said this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Why? Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. It's the word of God, friend, that gets us back the way we need to be. What lets me know that I've got dirty feet? The word of God. That says that's not right. The way you're thinking's not right. The way you're living's not right. The way you're speaking's not right. The, your schedule that you've taken over, it's not right. We don't get to vote and choose and decide. God declares what's right and wrong. And if we want to be sanctified, that is set apart for His exclusive use. We're His disciple. He does through us what He wills to do. you got to be clean. you got to be clean. I hear so many young people, they say, well, I'm just trying to decide what I want to do with my life. It's not what you want to do with your life. It's what God wants to do with your life. I'm trying to decide when you know, we're going to retire and what we're going to do in retirement. It's not about when you want to retire and when you, what you're going to do when you retire. It's what God wants you to do. Well, we're not sure what the church wants to do. What does God want us to do with the church? It's the reason our country's in the shape that it's in. We can't have the mind of God because our country's lost and heading toward hell. Everybody say the church needs revival. I mean, America needs revival. America doesn't need revival. America needs a spiritual awakening in Jesus Christ. And no political party is going to bring that, friend. Only Christ can. We need a washing that only His blood and His word can yield. And so, years ago, when God first called me into ministry, I want to confess something to you. I would pray, you know, God, I want to be used. God, use me. I want to be used. I've learned, friend, I don't need to pray that. That's, that was the wrong way to pray. I don't need to pray God use me. Listen to me. I've started praying God make me more usable. Get everything out of me that doesn't look like you. And God didn't use me. See, friend, God's using you all he can right now. The question is, what needs to get washed off of you so he can use you more? So there's the sanctification, my friend, that he demands. You listen to me. He deserves it. But he demands it. That we be exclusively his. So we've seen the sight he displays, the salvation he delivers, the sanctification that he demands. Fourth, notice this, the service he demonstrates. So this is the washing of their feet. Now listen, there's only two ordinances in the church. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we'll observe the Lord's Supper as a church family tonight. We're going to we're going to jump ahead in our commands and we're going to do, do the lesson on uh, we've been commanded to keep the Lord's Supper. So we'll, we'll jump ahead and do that one um, tonight. The one we'll look at next week is baptism. It's the one we would have done tonight. That's the first act of obedience in the life of a believer is baptism. But there are some churches that practice foot washing. But that's not an ordinance. This was an example that he gave us. I want to share you some things with this about washing the feet. First off, it met a need for someone. Service always meets a need for someone else. It's not about me. Or people say, before, well, I'm just not getting a lot out of this service, you know, about me. It's not about you getting anything, friends. It's about what you can give. That's what our society's all about. What's in it for me? And ministries are even set up that way because if you don't, you'll lose everybody. 
We've got to give to the kids. You've got to give to the youth. If you ask them to give, everybody's just going to go. You start asking other people to serve. It's always about, get, you know, what can I get? Service is about me, get God working through me. I'm meeting the needs of someone else. That's what ministry is about. That's what service is about. Washing their feet. What a blessing to Jesus. What's a blessing about grabbing somebody's dirty, stinking feet? It met a need that they had. They needed their feet washed. And when you serve, friend, it's not about you. It's about God being a blessing through you to someone else. So it met a need in someone's life. But only that, friend, it was a low form of service. He removed his garment. He put a towel on. He humbled himself down. And my friend, he got their dirty, stinking feet in his hands. And he washed their feet. Friend, that's about as low a form of service as you can have. All forms of service aren't grand and glorious where the spotlight shines. And everybody can, you know, and we have a day to record. It's, it's, it's about meeting needs. And, and literally, listen, do you know that's what the etymology of the word deacon means? A lot of churches, you know, deacons are a, a bunch of boss hogs that run roughshod over the church. I thank God that's not the case in our local church. The word deacon, friend, its etymology means through the dust. It is the lowest form of of service in the life of the church, helping meet the needs of others. And all service is to be that way. It's, it's to be humble. Nothing glorious or glamorous about it. But Christ demonstrated for that. Listen to what Paul said about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal to him, but made himself of no reputation. How? He left heaven and came to earth. He emptied himself of all visible glory, taking on himself the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus served and met our needs, friend. He humbled himself. What else but can I do? And what else can you do? It's a low form of service. I want you to notice this. He served. He didn't talk about it. He never sing songs about it or have conferences about it or just have a sign-up sheet about it. He actually served. Look at our Bibles again in, in our text in verse number 4. It says he rose from supper. That is, he chose to serve. He got up from, from the supper. He laid aside his garments he took a towel. He girded himself. After that, verse 5, he poured water into a basin and began to wash. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them. He served. And you see, now I'm going to, one of these days, I'm going to wash their feet, teach them a lesson. I've been intending to do that. When it's convenient, I'm going to. No, he did it. My friend, sooner or later, you've got to do what God's called you to do or it's not going to get done. We talk about that with evangelism. You know, well, you know, somebody needs to witness to my neighbor. Somebody needs to witness to, to my boss at work. Boy, we wish more people in the America. I'm so tired of how dark it is. Well, friend, the reason it's dark is because there's more people lost than there are people saved. Why don't you serve and go tell them how to be saved? Wish there were more ministries in the church. You know, I wish we, wish we had a ministry that did this. Why don't you start it? Don't sit and talk it to death. Do something. People curse the darkness. Turn on the light. You want to see a ministry in the church? 
pray about it, come talk to me about it, and let's see how God's in it, and then you lead it. But people want to talk everything to death. I just wish, I just wish Jesus did. He did. Look what the Bible says in, in verse number 15. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You do them. When I was a boy, my papa had all kinds of bear dogs down below his house chained up next to the creek. He kept them chained to the creek so he didn't have to water them. Pretty smart, isn't it? But we had black and tans. He had red bone. He had tree and walkers. A few blue ticks, plots, any kind of dog we had it. And I mean, when cars went up down the road, they'd bark and they'd howl. I remember some nights when I'd stay at his house, the moon would get out and they'd howl. All he had to do was just walk out on the front porch and raise his hand. You know why? They didn't know whether there was a rock in it or not. They, they were gun shy. Howl and bark all the time. People were probably driving by. I was like, why in the world does Red Chandler keep all them dogs that howl? Listen to me, friend. He didn't keep, keep them because they'd howl. He kept them because they'd hunt. We got a lot of people in the church. They do a lot of howling, but they never hunt. Why don't you listen to me, friend? If you won't hunt, don't howl. If you won't pounce, don't prowl. If you won't bite, don't growl. God's looking for people who will be doers of his word. We've barked the great commission to death. We need people. God needs people. The lost people of this world who are dying and going down. Everybody wants to talk about the, the, the earthquake and the 10,000 people that die. It's terrible. The greater reality is this, friend, that it's a Muslim predominant country. 10,000 people went to hell at one time. We've got people all around us. It's not just they're not in church. They're lost and they're going to hell. We need to get busy and start living for Christ and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus came and was a doer of God's will. And because of that, he died on the cross and made a way, friend, that we could be washed from all the filth of our sin. I'm so glad Jesus didn't just talk about doing something for God. He was obedient even unto death. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Have you been washed? in the blood of the Lamb. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you chose to wholly repent of all your sin and wholly to give all of you to Jesus Christ? If not, you're lost. But God says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you not do that today? Choose to turn from all your sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. And friend, experience a washing spiritually that you can't find anywhere else but through his shed blood. If that's your desire today, with your head bowed and your eye closed, you tell God that, mean it with all your heart. Say, God, forgive me a sinner. I turn from all my sin. God, I need a bath. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me whole. I submit my life to your lordship. Take me. Use me. Make me the man or woman that you want me to be. And teach me how to serve you with whatever days I have left. That's my prayer this morning. Did you pray that prayer this morning? Did you mean it? God knows whether you did or not. He's an all-seeing God. He sees into your heart. If you did, would you not be bold enough when our invitation begins here in just a moment? They're going to sing in just a moment. 
Well, they begin to sing. Would you not make your way down here to the front so I can encourage you in that decision? Just simply let me know. I prayed that prayer. I've trusted Christ today. I want to share with you what God wants to do next. What say you, child of God? You know you've been washed, but I want to ask you something. Do you have some filth between your toes? Do you have dirty feet? It's hindering God using you. Matter of fact, it's hindering your relationship. He can't even hear you because of that. Do you need washed, fresh, and anew today? Then tell him so. Experience a reviving touch that only he can give. Maybe this should be your prayer this morning. God, thank you for the day that you washed me from head to toe. But God, my feet are dirty today. My feet are dirty. God, I haven't walked the way I needed to. God, I haven't spent time in your word to show me what's right and what's wrong, what your character is, the character that you want to grow in me and live through me. God, I confess that today. I turn from all the sin that's in my life. God, afresh and anew, would you not wash me? I want to leave this place in a right relationship with you today. That's my prayer. I want to ask you today, church family, before we go to invitation, who do you know today that's never been bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ? Who do you know today that's got dirty feet out of fellowship? Will you not be used of God to go challenge them and encourage them? Or because of fear, are you just letting them going to keep walking in the direction they're going? God, I pray you'll challenge our church today. Minister to every need. Speak straight to the heart of it, God. And I pray we'll be bold and we'll respond to your will for our life right now. In Jesus' name.